You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, local, state, national, covering down on all the issues. And like that dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is a rainy Thursday afternoon, 2.06 p.m., but Boomer's on the board. Hello, Boomer. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm hanging in there on this <laughs> rainy day here. <laughs> I'm saying. And, and by the way, we already got one text on the line uh, saying, hope you guys are well. I didn't get to hear the camels yesterday. Well, so true. I will, I will say uh, I wound up having a trial. Uh, you know, I'm still a practicing attorney. Uh, a lot of my cases, the judges are accommodating, and I can do most of my stuff in the mornings. But uh, I had a trial that was expected to last all day, maybe even to today. Uh, but we wound up getting that resolved favorably. And uh, so yesterday I was lawyer Phil. Today I'm back to radio <laughs> Phil. So uh, glad to be back with you. But I, Boomer, you know what we need to do, though? What's that? Since we didn't get to do it yesterday, and John yes. from Huntsville has already expressed the fact that he missed it, uh, I'm pretty true. sure we got to go with the camel. I like it. Do it. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is? <laughs> Guess what day it is? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie. Guess what today is? It's hump day. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There. Now there it was. we have made the week better at this point. And so yeah, you guys have made it. You're past hump day, actually. You've made it past uh camel day. But uh there. We can't go a week without playing the camel, so yay. Um, man, we got a full show for you. Uh, I'm pretty stoked about it because um, uh, the the hosts of the brand new Right Side podcast, <laughs> The Right Life, Boomer and McQueen, are going to be on at 3.30 today. That's you, right. You darn right you are. Darn right. I, I got news. Are you on the camera right now? Put yourself oh, on camera. Man. See, I always forget to do you that. You got the hat. I, know, oh, I do have the hat you right got, there. Boomer's already got swag for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, this is like... It's, is, it's it's a real deal. It's a it's a real deal. The <laughs> the right life hat is on his head right now. I hear you've got like hats and shirts and swag bags and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, bags, hats, t-shirts. No keychains or socks yet. We're not up there. Well, <laughs> have you, but do you have a coffee mug? Oh, coffee mug. You have to drink coffee to have a coffee mug. Oh, I could go hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, Boomer and McQueen today at 3.30. I love that segment we've been doing with them, and uh, I just saw McQueen out in the office here, and she'll be here in a little while. So Boomer McQueen, 3.30. And then at 4 o'clock, and this is kind of cool. You know, we say all the time that it's funny that our second biggest podcast audience is California. Well, it's the show at 4 o'clock today. Her name's Melissa Melendez. We met at a conference, uh, a very conservative policy conference, and uh, she and I follow each other on Twitter. She posted something that just caught my eye the other day, and I thought, man, that's just nuts. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a segment we're going to do today about government getting it wrong. Well, she's going to be calling in, talking about things that are actually happening in California right now, and give us some perspective from someone on the ground. So that's at 4 o'clock p.m., 4, 4 p.m., California State Senator Melissa Melendez. And then I still got a triple dipper, so hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. 
That's right. The Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Uh, Number one, the whole segment is called When Government Gets It Wrong. And it's not just a little bit. It's like when government gets it wrong, uh, things that are happening. And I've got a story right now, by the way, that will boggle your mind that came out of uh, a school right here in our listening area. Um, Yeah, we'll talk about it. When government gets it wrong. Number two on the Triple Dipper, homework. So this is a segment on the economy. The Biden economy has been uh, having, you know, just ripple effects throughout the entire economic infrastructure of, uh, of the United States, not the least of which is the housing market. Realtors, interest rates, what's happening? Did the Fed raise the rate yesterday? Oh, by the way, yes, they did again. We'll talk about this in number two of the Triple Dipper, homework. And then number three, the paper chase, you know, the... The whole Biden paper chase continues to just be odd. It's weird, y'all. I mean, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, as if it wasn't weird enough that they raided Mar-a-Lago and they got documents that they already knew were there. Uh, But now we keep finding things in Biden's possession in different places scattered around, you know, like the Johnny Appleseed of paper. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Number three on the Triple Dipper paper chase. Well, let me, let me go into my comments now. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but we're seeing a dust up on social media right now about the beloved Mr. Rogers. Remember him? Mr. Rogers, the mild mannered guy who came in every day, took off his suit jacket and his dress shoes. And he sang, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood while he tied on his sneakers. A video just resurfaced on social media that has liberals all up in arms. Somebody found an old clip of Mr. Rogers. It's a video that's well over four decades old of Mr. Rogers singing a song about boys being boys and girls being girls, and that's the way they're born, and that girls will be the mommies and boys will be the daddies because that's the way they're born. It's amazing to watch liberals freak out about this. A video that affirms children simply because of how they look, how they were born, should be non-controversial, but obviously it's not. Suddenly, a video that created no friction in society at all for the last 40 years is deemed to be heretical and somehow tearing a hole in the fabric of our culture. Well, the liberal outcry would be laughable if it weren't so evil. So before I chase that thread some more, let me just back up and tell you a side story. I had a conversation recently with someone about, you know, matters of faith. We're talking through why I believe what I believe. As a Christian, one who believes that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, how do I reconcile that as a matter of my mind as much as my heart? In other words, how do I take a matter of faith and wrap my brain around it? Well, it was an analytical conversation. We talked through the great proofs of the Bible, like the fact that history indicates that the accounts of the Bible are real, that the science of archaeology can show how clear indications are that the recounting of key events and places in Scripture is accurate, the fact that other cultures and non-biblical texts support the Bible. We talked about the evidences in my own life, you know, like places and things where stuff happened that seemed well beyond chance that I attribute to God's intervention. Well, toward the end of the conversation, though, and here's my point, the person I was talking to sort of brought their part of the conversation to an end by saying something like, well, I'm sure that means a great deal to you, but I'm just not there yet. I mean, it's a fair response. And I told the person that I get it. But then I said something that apparently really got their attention without even meaning to. I told him, I said this, I said, my faith leads me to live a life of honesty and faithfulness and strength and a sense of duty and loyalty and love. And I said, the bottom line is, if it turns out in the end that I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. But if it turns out in the end that you're wrong, you've lost everything. I believe that to be a true statement. 
It applies to more than just my faith, though. I think that's a statement that can be attributed to much of what we're seeing in today's woke culture. And I'm going to get back to Mr. Rogers in a minute. Not the least of which, by the way, getting back to culture is the constant haranguing right now for gender transitions of children. A life-altering treatment regime, sometimes including actual surgeries, that can actually alter a child's life forever. You see, I choose to believe that children are not a mistake. In my view, a child born to this world is meant to be a child born to this world, and that the biological sex of that child is not assigned at birth, it just is at birth. To say otherwise is to immediately call into question the child's ability to be, ability to be anything other than a victim for the rest of their lives. It's like saying, oh, you poor child, you were born wrong. You were supposed to be a boy. Somehow you came out of the womb as a girl. Now you're living a mistake, forever trapped in the wrong body, or at the very least forever only made whole by medical intervention and the emotional distress of wondering who you'll always be. You see, that's, that's predatory thinking. Telling a child that they are not right in ways that cannot be changed without life-altering therapy is basically emotional abuse. And then once those therapies begin, it's actually physical abuse, in my opinion. What would we think, literally, what would we think of a parent who we witnessed telling their child that they're an idiot and they can't do anything right? We would think they were abusive, right? What would we think of a parent who kept their child over-medicated so they wouldn't be a bother to the parent anymore? Well, we would think them to be abusive, wouldn't we? But yet we as a nation are standing by while hordes of unreasonable accusations by adults towards minors are foisted on these precious kids, telling them that the way they were born is wrong, that in essence, they are wrong. And so we commit them to medical interventions. And I have to say it, you are doing this to a child, a child who is not allowed by law to make their own medical decisions, a child who is protected by laws against statutory rape because they're deemed to be incapable of consenting to sex with an adult. A child who is not allowed to enter into contracts on their own by law. A child that can't drink until they're 21. They can't buy cigarettes. They can't join the military. But yet adults are willing to tell that precious child that they were made wrong and they have to have a surgery. Here's the thing. Going back to what I said earlier. Despite all the arguments to the contrary, if I'm right, and that child is allowed to wait until they're an adult to make their own life-altering decisions, they've lost nothing. But if the so-called adults making these medical transition changes are wrong, then that child has lost everything. Literally, they have lost their physical identity, their emotional well-being, all because an adult couldn't affirm them as the way they were born. Now, thankfully, the state of Alabama has already passed legislation to put an end to gender transition therapies and surgeries for kids here in our state. The state of Utah joined that fight by passing similar legislation just yesterday. But listen... In March of 2017, there was an article in Ed Week that cited the UCLA study. It indicated that there were roughly 150,000 high school age kids that identified as transgender nationwide, 150,000. It was like 0.7% nationwide in 2017. But in June of 2021, just a mere, mm, what, four years later, a research brief was published by the American Academy of Pediatrics that came to the conclusion that the number is now closer to 10% of high school students reporting a gender-diverse identity. The new study did not assign an actual number to the percentage, but mere extrapolation of the data between the two studies would mean that the number of kids that the American Academy of Pediatrics claims now identify as other than their biological sex is over a million nationwide. Now, I would hazard a guess, an educated but non-scientific guess, that the numbers are actually reflective of adults pushing an agenda and trying to work kids into it with a zeal that only an activist can bear. 
See, I believe Mr. Rogers got it right. I believe that children are born the way they are, intentionally. That the girls are designed to be girls, the boys are designed to be boys. I don't believe that millions of kids were born wrong. I don't. I don't believe that suddenly, despite ages of history of mankind notwithstanding, that we have a sudden new phenomenon. We don't. What we do have, though, is an age in which activist adults have lost the sense of propriety that their adult versions of the world are not supposed to be foisted on the children of the world. The lines have been allowed to be blurred. Anything goes. Children can be mutilated just to prove the adult's point. And if I'm right, if I'm right, then that child would have lost nothing by waiting till they were of the age of majority. But if those adults who are perpetrating this madness on kids are wrong, then those children have lost everything. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, listen, that's hard stuff, and it's amazing that that's controversial. In God's name, why is it controversial to think that a child born a boy or a child born a girl should not be affirmed for who they are? And yet what we're seeing right now is adults who are pushing their agenda on kids who by law are not allowed to make their own decisions. And it's, to me, it's evil. It just is. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. We're glad you're with us. It is a rainy Thursday afternoon. Uh, man, the text lines went boom, boomer. Just boom. Ba-boom. <laughs> That's what they went. <laughs> they did. I'm looking at some of the reactions. So uh, we've gotten... Uh, uh, like Gina from Athens is, is texting back and forth. She says, I love that Mr. Rogers video that I was talking about during my um, monologue. So I love that Mr. Rogers video. I wish I could get a copy. You were so right they should wait. Talking about kids waiting. And, uh, and I sent her a link to where she could actually find the video. And she says, cool, thank you. John from Huntsville. Uh, we made him happy, Boomer, playing the camels. We did. We, we, we well, it just, made me happy, too. I missed him yesterday. I, I'm just saying. We had, we, had a, <laughs> we had a dearth of camels in our life. We had to, anyway... Mike, 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 Mike. But, um, but yeah, so John from Huntsville, uh, we're, we're proud to serve, brother. Appreciate, glad you're out there. Um, and then uh, Allie from Athens, just talking about the monologue, says, one of your finest, Senator Colonel, and uh, things have reached a new low when you go after Mr. Rogers, I'm saying. <laughs> I agree. Mark from Red Bay says, stupidity of some people never ceases to amaze me. Uh, Joe from Owens Crossroads. Hey, Joe from Owens Crossroads, bud. He, boomer. He says, oh. um, 
He says, oh, I see uh, it. Yeah, he says, Boomer, please turn that monologue into a YouTube clip so listeners can share it. Mm. Um, that's that's cool. I'll tell you what, too, just so you know, it's always in podcasts. So the, the monologue gets podcasted every single day. Uh, but, Boomer, you, you do with what you can on that uh, request from Mark from Red Bay, man. I'll just leave that to you. Um, Boomer knows things. <laughs> I know of things. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I don't know if I know all, things. All I know is there's a whole lot of buttons in here, and I'm glad I have Boomer in my life to push oh, all the right man. buttons. Uh, Daryl from Huntsville says, please discuss the Magic City Acceptance Academy in Homewood. Did Alabama taxpayers finance any of that? Uh, yes, they did, because that's a charter that's a uh, charter school, I believe. Uh, so if you're not familiar, um, you know, you, you hate to just go attacking things, but, but nonetheless, this one needs to be drawn out once in a while. The Magic City Acceptance Academy, uh, the first ever in the nation, LGBTQ2IA+, whatever, um, uh, charter school. Charter schools, by the way, those are schools that are not normal schools, but they still have public funds. So um, this is a, um, it's basically like saying we're going to segregate and we're going to hang rainbow flags and it's part of our school culture. They even had the staff doing a drag show one day for our fundraiser. Um, so that's down in Birmingham right now. And uh, sometime soon we need to do a focus on that, see whether they're even hitting the marks of what uh, is supposed to happen. It's, I mean, you gotta, you got to live up to grade still. Um, uh, Lulu from Eva, Alabama, thank you for sending us the link to Mr. Rogers. We appreciate that. That's what I shared over with Gina. So, Lulu, thank you very much. Sandy from Harvest says, with regards to the monologue, well put, sir. What a clear presentation of the truth. Um, Tyler from Huntsville was glad we played the, the camel. <laughs> <laughs> he said he needed it. We have to play we it got again. It. We, we, we need it to get through the week. I get it. Yep. Daniel from Tullahoma. He says, Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow today. Six more <laughs> weeks of Biden documents. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, see? That was a good one. That's one of those that I wish I had thought to say that on yes. Twitter or something on my own. So, so now if I put it out there, I got to give, give Daniel from Tullahoma credit for that one. Um, all right, listen, lots more texts are still popping in. You want to text into the show, you're welcome to it. 833-687-4448. That's 833-687-4448. Right. Um, we got some great stuff. More texts are dropping in. Read it from Scottsboro. <laughs> Boomer and Phil, just giving you an update. Uh, I'm trying to see what all it was. Mm. Wow. What's she working on, Boomer? I have to, I'm going to look at it right now. Uh, yeah, we got to figure this out. Reed is working on something. All right. And Sandy from Elkmont. If Bill thinks he's Robert one day and the next day he's Chris, we call that a mental disorder. Bipolar. I believe if Bill thinks he's Rhonda, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're right. All right. Raven from Russell wants the camel again. We might play it when we get back. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, we'll be right back. conservative just plain right (laughs) 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. I'm talking about we are all over the northern half of this state. And like the dude said earlier on, solid conservative and just plain right. I got some more text. Oh, you, you do. Too. And I, I have one, too. I, I think you missed this one. JT from Lacey Springs said, speaking of Biden papers, new Corvettes now have a hidden document compartment. <laughs> <laughs> Not a glove box, mind you, nope, but a hidden nope. document. A hidden compartment. document compartment. No longer compartment. necessary to keep it in a cardboard box in your garage. <laughs> you can just slide it in the secret compartment in your Corvette. Um, yeah, I had uh, Jeff from Indiana, by the way. Uh, Boomer. Yeah, Jeff. So he, he knows you got your new, uh, new podcast, you and McQueen. Uh, he says, uh, Boomer needs some socks so I can wear one on the right side and then a right life sock on the other so I can go in the <laughs> stall in the truck stop bathroom and the guy next to me can say, hey, brother, can you spare a square? And what kind of socks are those you're wearing? <laughs> Jeff. Spare a square. <laughs> and I like your socks. Oh, golly. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, just, that's just funny. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. What am I oh, doing Jeff. here? JT, you already got that one. Uh, you know what? I think we need to do, Boomer. We've had so many people comment on the camel um, that I'm pretty sure this needs to be a two hump camel day. I think so. Play it. There we go. Oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Oh. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! All right. All right. We're going to move into the Triple Dipper now. And in fact, it's a good thing we laughed when we did because this next segment has got some stuff in it that ain't that funny. Um, so I'm doing this first section of the Triple Dipper. I'm calling this when government gets it wrong. Um, you know, things like you look at it and go, okay, I get the fact that there's going to be activists in the world who see things a certain way, who want to fly their flag, you know, and do their thing. Uh, who believe that they should be allowed to march in the streets and say whatever they want to say, and that's truthfully part of their constitutional rights here in, in, this, in this nation. It's a whole other thing when government does it. It's a whole other thing when government decides to be activist. Well, okay, first story I got out the gate here just kind of goes in line with the monologue we just had. So 1819 News has a story that came out today. You can go to 1819news.com and see it. Here's the headline. You ready? Prattville High School assignment questions students about privilege and oppression based on sexual orientation, gender, body size, and religion. Why is this a lesson in a Prattville High School classroom? So here's the background. You ready? So says a 10th grade Prattville High School teacher reportedly issued a graded assignment to her students asking them to identify their gender, sex, sexual orientation, body size, religious affiliation, and more. And by the way, I've got a copy of it right here. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. According to one parent who requested anonymity, their 10th grade student arrived home with questions about their assignment, which was reportedly graded and given in a general English class taught by a teacher named Joella McIntosh and was required to be turned in by the end of the class. The parent said the student's grade on the assignment is still visible on their Google Classroom. The assignment is originally a printout from the University of Michigan. Okay. But one, because one question can be seen with U of M scratched out and PHS, you know, the high school penciled in. The assignment was titled Social Identity Groups, and it asked students a series of questions. This is amazing to me, y'all. Ask students a series of questions about their individual identity groupings to identify where they fall in the categories of things like gender, sex, or sexual orientation, etc. Examples are given, like 
Are you a woman, a man, a transgender, or a postgender? The options for your social class are things like poor, working class, lower middle class, upper middle class, owning class, and ruling class. What? What the frick does that mean? Owning class and rural cla- ru- ruling class. Your body size. You can check off things like fat or person of size or thin. Your sexual orientation is things like lesbian, gay, bisexual, pan-attractional, heterosexual, queer, attractionality, and questioning. I'm questioning why this is an assignment. One question even asks students what part of their identity causes them to feel the most oppression, while another question asks them which which part of their identity gives them the most privilege. Well, I've got a copy of it. I mean, you can tell that it was all folded up. The kid brought it home in their pocket or something. But here, I'm holding it up to the camera. It's legit, and it's multi-page. This thing is unreal. And this was handed out in Prattville, Alabama. Handed out in a 10th grade class. And it's got on here things like, I just read a few of them. But then I look at, like, race. Choose your race. And it gives you examples. It could be Asian Pacific Islander, Native American, Latin, X, I think, black, white, multiracial. And then your ethnicity could be Irish, Chinese, Puerto Rican, Italian, Mohawk, Jewish, Mohawk. Mohawk. Uh, that, that seems like kind of out of place. Anyway, uh, you can check off things like, you know, your disabilities, things like cognitive, physical, temporarily able-bodied, temporarily disabled, where you're from. You're, you know, it just, it just, I, I look at this and think, why is this even in our schools at all. And what did this have to do with English? Nothing. What part of your gender identity do you see having the most effect on your interactions with your coworkers or peers? What part of your identity do you feel you receive the most privilege from the most often? And then it's got the, the wheel. You can choose on the wheel, as I hold it up to the camera here, you can choose on the wheel where you fall in certain things, uh, your religious or spiritual affiliations your socioeconomic status, the identities that have the strongest effect on how you perceive yourself. This is, this is nothing but an activist handout. But here's the thing. It ain't the only one. So, Boomer, you had somebody send you one yesterday. Yep, had somebody send me one, and it infuriated me. Um, somebody you know, I know. Mm-hmm. Somebody we both know, I guess. Yeah. Right here in the listening area. In the listening area. So Prattville is barely in the listening area, down yonder towards Montgomery. Okay, All yep. Right. But the one you sent me is totally different. It's a it's a one of the bubble sheet kind where you fill in the bubbles. You like and I'm holding it up to the camera right yep. now. Fill in the bubbles. Um, and some of the questions on there were just like, why why do they need to put this on here? Yeah, why is this, what was the context of why this is handed out? Do we have any idea who, who what part of school was it handed out in? Do you know? The one? Uh, I can check. I'll, I'll double check on that. What yeah. context it was? Here's the, here's the bottom line. Uh, this was a the, the one that Boomer got yesterday. Uh, this is, by the way, this is this is government, all right. This is your school system. These are your tax dollars. These are school superintendents slash teachers on the public dime handing these out to students in public schools. And oh, by the way, the one that I've got here that Boomer got, uh, it asks you, are you more attracted to same gender, opposite gender, any gender? I mean, it just, what the heck? I believe it was like a school survey. Yeah, but for what purpose? Was it like mm-hmm. something that the counselor was going to keep in their office, or oh, was it or I don't what? Know. It's just un- unreal. Um, okay. I, anyway. Ugh. So 
Folks, here, here's the deal. It's an amazing thing when you stop and think about the fact that sometimes government becomes activist on its own. And that's because government is made up of people. I mean, granted, if you're going to have activists outside of government, then it's, it's very likely you can have activists inside government. The fact, but the, but the, the difference becomes is that unless you are a legislator whose design by law is to help make law, then you're not supposed to be creating this kind of controversy in and of your own self. It is not your role to go ahead and be the activist who changes the norms of culture. Your job is to teach English. Your job is to teach science. Your job is to teach math. Your job is to teach. And, and so here we have a classic example of government deliberately getting it wrong. Not only not only are they handing out documents that are probably inflaming parents once they find out about it, but they're also pursuing things that have nothing to do with their charter, with their, with their, their job description. And then they've also, in a state where we have already outlined that we as a state, the laws of the state do not allow gender transition therapies on kids. We don't go down that road. And then on top of all that, we, we are a conservative state socially speaking, doesn't go down those roads, and yet we're going to wind up having people in government making decisions about things they have no business making decisions on. If you can have activists in the streets, you can imagine there will be times when you're going to have activists in government. And what I just read you right there was a classic example of that. And sometimes government gets it wrong. Uh, I'll tell you what, Boomer, let's take a break about a minute earlier than usual. We'll do that right now. We'll come back because I'm going to switch gears within the same topic of when government gets it wrong. How about the time when I was in the state Senate and I got to help block a bill for needle exchanges? Yeah, that was something. But guess what? It's ongoing around the nation right now. How do we, how do we just see government getting it so wrong that they are basically perpetuating drug use? Uh, we'll talk about it. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. All right, so I'm doing this first segment here, calling this when government gets it wrong. Um, that happens a lot, by the way. Uh, so, I mean, I'll point out, government is made up of fallible people just like every other part of society. Government is made up of people who get up in the morning, put their pants on one leg at a time. Um, but what, what's, what's, what's especially irritating is when you find yourself recognizing that government is sometimes also filled with activists, that activists see the opportunity to get in government to have an opportunity to either regulate or legislate those things which, you know, don't need to be there, basically. They get it wrong. Uh, and, and some of this is going to be subjective. Some of it's, less, you know, some of it may be, you know, the opinions that many of us share but not everybody shares, and I get it. Other times, though, they're just outside their lane. Like a moment ago, me talking about this, the schools having these, these uh, surveys they're giving to kids that 
that's way outside the bounds. That's so outside the lane of what that teacher is supposed to be doing in a 10th grade English class. And I got news. I guarantee that teacher knew exactly what she was doing and gave it out anyway. I mean, I, and I, I guess she thought nobody was ever going to care or know. I don't know. But here's another one. Here's another version, in my opinion, of government just being so wrong. Drug use is rampant in our nation right now. And Boomer, I'm going to need that uh, audio clip here in just a minute. But drug use is rampant, and fentanyl overdoses have compounded it. We, we're, we're losing people by the score. And so when you see that, you think, okay, what government should be doing is trying to stop drug use, not accommodate it or make it worse. Well, in 2017, when I was still in the state Senate, there was a bill that was carried by a Republican, uh, a guy named Jack Williams from uh, Vestavia. I know Jack. We get along fine. But he had this bill, and I could not fathom why he would carry it. And I made it known. Uh, I will block that bill. I will do everything I can to prevent that from happening. And I did. And I'm proud to say that uh, I feel like I was a um, personally a big part in getting this bill stopped. But the bill introduced in April of 2017 would have allowed Alabama to legalize needle exchange programs all across the state. Uh, allegedly, to do things like, you know, stop the, the to help stymie the opioid abuses. No, it's not going to do that. It's going to accommodate drug use. It's going to give away the paraphernalia they need to perpetuate a drug use. Now, some are going to say, well, Phil, it's a clean needle exchange. They can bring in their dirty needles and get clean ones. And that way, hepatitis C and HIV and all those things will be stymied. No, they won't. No, they won't for a second. So let me get this straight. First of all, take into account that the vast majority of the time, unhealthy people do not make healthy decisions. So the idea that an addict who lives under a bridge is going to say, you know, I think it'd be a good idea for me to run on down there and get some clean needles and take in these dirty ones. I just feel like being a good citizen today and making sure I take better care of myself. The idea that's going to happen is going to be very low. And what will happen, though, is the ones who do get it done, they won't then stray far from the place where they got the free needles. So you create a, a hub, if you will, for drug users to hang out so they don't have to go far from their you know, drug use site to get the paraphernalia they need to perpetuate the habit. So Jack Williams had the bill, introduced a potential new law in uh, the legislature. Uh, it would have changed our paraphernalia laws by allowing what were known as clean syringes at a, quote, approved harm reduction site. Keep that phrase in mind, harm reduction. They're not about cure. They're not about safety. They're not about trying to end the epidemic of drug use. It's about harm reduction, just mere mitigation. And they even go on to say that part of the justification for doing this, and I remember the discussion, was that where there's, there's the, the Department of Health in Alabama found that there were four counties, Walker, Winston, Marion, and Franklin, who were at a high risk for future HIV outbreaks. Future. Hadn't happened yet, but we want a needle exchange program because we see something in the future that could happen. Well, currently Alabama law does allow pharmacies to sell syringes without a prescription, but they local harm reduction advocates say that many of them won't sell to suspected drug users. You think? Druggie walks in looking strung out, says, I need a, need a box of needles. I'm sorry, sir, we are not going to, because they know what's going to happen. They're going to get abused. The, the pharmacist is going to feel like somebody may come back and 
hold them liable. And then the next day when the person who is, um, you know, diabetic needs new needles, but they've all been absconded or bought up and they don't have any in stock, maybe the, maybe the pharmacist is prioritizing his patients or his, his clients. All that to say, we killed that bill. That was an awful bill. It never should have been brought in the Alabama legislature. But other states have already been doing this. The problem you've got is when government gets it so wrong. Boomer, you got that audio clip, man? So here's an example. Later in the show, a friend of mine, California State Senator Melissa Melendez, put some stuff online that caught my attention and really sparked me doing this segment. But as I was getting ready for the show today, I could not help but think, as government gets it wrong, part of it is when you see government actually espousing things that, that, that basically say, hey, it's nothing. keep on doing that. Well, here's the governor of the state of California talking about why we just all need to self-medicate sometime. Play that clip. Clean and sober is one of the biggest mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. I, if you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, we all need to self-medicate periodically. Okay, I'm going to want to play that again because there's multiple parts in that. But here's the deal. Clean and sober is a fallacy in his mind. So why pursue anything to help people? There's that. The next piece of this is, it's just, you know, that we all need to self-medicate at times. That's the governor of the state of California, where people are dying in the streets on a daily basis, overdosing on fentanyl and everything else in the world. And the governor of the state, his only response is, clean and sober, that's not real. Clean, clean and sober, that's idealistic. It, it, we all need to self-medicate at times. Play it again. You got it for me, bud? Yeah. Clean and sober is one of the biggest mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. I, if you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, we all need to self-medicate periodically. So he equates having a glass of wine at night with drug use in the streets. Clean and sober, he says, is idealistic. Um, it's just the, the very idea. How can government be so wrong? Well, sometimes government is filled with activists. Sometimes government is filled with people that are so filled with fallacy themselves that, that it perpetuates itself in the regulatory and the legislative capacities that they are there to serve in. And that, in my opinion, was a classic example of leadership gone awry. That was Gavin Newsom, a state where, where drug overdoses are epidemic right now, like killing more people than COVID ever did. Where, where fentanyl's in the street, where, where there, are, there are whole city blocks where people don't want to go anymore because it's so consumed by drug use and needles laying in the gutter and feces on the sidewalk and tent cities on places that used to be public thoroughfares. And that's his state. And that's a beautiful state. I used to live in California. That's a beautiful state. What a gorgeous state that is, filled with wonderful people who are having to be subjected to leadership that stands in front of a camera and says, clean and sober, that's just, that's just hand-holding. That's just idealistic. Well, I got news. It gets even worse when you consider the campaign that the San Francisco Department of Public Health has entered into with the Harm Reduction Coalition. Yeah, there's that phrase again. Sometimes government gets it wrong. Y'all stay tuned. We'll talk about it more in a minute.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right. Covering down on all of the issues. I'm talking local, state, national, sometimes international. Folks, I'm just saying, you got it all here on this show. Um, All right, listen, it's hour number two, Boomer. Good night. Oh, man. <laughs> so much stuff, it flies by. It does fly by. We got we got a whole lot more to go, too. We got great <laughs> guests. So, uh, so yeah, it's coming up here at the bottom of the half hour. Uh, that's going to be the Boomer and McQueen segment. Once a week, we're doing that now. The hosts of the new... Right Life Podcast as, yes. a, as a part of the Right Side Universe. Um, <laughs> can we can we do that? Can we say the Right Side Universe? I like that. The Right Side Universe. I mean, you got the Marvel Universe, so, so why not? Why not? We, we now have the From Right the Side. Beyond. I like it. <laughs> the, the Right Side Universe has expanded. Uh, a new planet is now circling the orb of the Right Side Star. There you go. Yes. I like it. Okay. Um, hey, uh, you didn't lose that audio clip of Gavin Newsom, did you? I didn't lose it. I got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant to be like a slight. Like <laughs> No, no, I got it right here. I'm re- I, I have my finger on the button ready for it okay. again. I figured you wanted to play it again. I do. I so here, here's the deal. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you didn't hear the last part of the last segment of the last hour, so uh, I played a segment by Gavin Newsom basically saying that clean and sober is just a joke. And that uh, everybody needs to self-medicate once in a while. That's the guy in charge of the state where people are dying daily from drug overdoses. Play that clip again. Clean and sober is one of the biggest mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. If you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, We all need to self-medicate periodically. Ugh. Ugh. Well, so coming up at the... uh, Top of the next hour, somebody who I met at a conference, uh, actually a Club for Growth conference, very conservative uh, a gathering in D.C., um, State Senator Melissa Melendez. Uh, I still follow her on Twitter. She follows me on Twitter, I believe, and, and, the, and the, the end result of this, my, the point that I'm making is California State Senator Melissa Melendez, very conservative, posted something on Twitter the other day that I saw that also then her tweet made Fox News, which I didn't realize till this morning. But Fox News posted the story about what she put out, that the National Harm Reduction Coalition, there's this phrase, harm reduction. It's all about harm reduction. It's not about advocating for drug use. It's not about accommodating illegal behavior. No. It's not about doing things that make neighborhoods unsafe. Oh, goodness, no. It's about harm reduction. Whatever in conjunction with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. It says a New York-based group, that's where the Harm Reduction Coalition is from. Um, is that the way I'm going to say it from now on, Boomer? You are. That's uh, harm. <laughs> it's, it's a harm reduction. 
Uh, sounds very unthreatening. <sighs> anyway, okay. Uh. All right, going back. Um, yeah, they started a new drug abuse and overdose awareness pr- program in one of the most populous cities in California, San Francisco. Self-described as a nationwide advocate and ally for people who use drugs, the National Harm Reduction Coalition features a campaign under its drug overdose prevention. So here's the bottom line. I'm just going to get to it. If you want to see it on my Twitter feed, if you're on Twitter, go to, you can go to my Twitter feed, at Sin, that's S-E-N, at Sin Phil Williams. And I reposted State Senator Melendez's post showing four flyers, four flyers being put out in conjunction with the San Francisco Department of Public Health that paint a very rosy image of drug use. And they basically have happy, smiling druggies sitting on street sidewalks, laughing together while they help each other do drugs. I kid you not. Go take a look. Laughing together with phrases that say things like, um, where'd it go? Oh, gosh. Injecting drugs carries the highest risk of overdose, so try smoking or snorting instead. This is a state-sponsored or a or government-sponsored flyer. Injecting drugs carries the highest risk of overdose, so try smoking or snorting instead as the pictures of the shiny, happy druggies on the sidewalk helping each other do drugs. I mean, you you look at this, and it it goes on from there. It it has other phrases in there like, you know, um, we need to all stick together, you know, and, and, and helping each other do drugs and watching out for each other as we do. Maybe you should try ingesting. Well, for the love. So there's no messaging at all about the ways addicts can ditch drugs. Um, there's no way they can be told how to do anything except do drugs every day on the sidewalk with your friends. Maybe try it a different way than what you've been doing. I'm going to go right now to my Twitter feed, at Williams. Like I said, if you want to follow me on Twitter, there it is. And I've got it posted, and the imagery of these flyers is just nauseating. So here's one. Let's take care of each other, San Francisco. Try ingesting or smoking instead of snorting. All the happy, and this looks like a drag queen uh, fest right now, sitting in a bar laughing as one tries to put the drugs in the other one's mouth. Uh, Here's the ones on the sidewalk. Take it easy. Go slow. Use less at first to test the strength of your drugs. Okay. Here's the next one. Do it with friends. Use with people and take turns. Try not to use alone or have someone check on you as they all sit on the sidewalk, watching the one guy with the band wrapped around his arm as he injects, waiting their turn to do it too. Oh, and one of them sitting in a wheelchair because they got to make sure they have, you know, just equity here in the distribution of drug use. And then the last one with the uh, smiley, happy hobo staring in the camera and his, his, his druggy friends on the sidewalk behind him laughing and having a good time, change it up. Injecting drugs carries the highest risk of overdose, so try smoking or snorting instead. Brought to you by the harmreduction.org organization in conjunction with the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Here's the thing. Sometimes government gets it wrong. Gavin Newsom is doing nothing but empowering drug use in his state when he stands up there as the governor of the state and says, hey, you know, listen, we all got to self clean and sober. That's a joke. That's, you know, shiny, happy people holding hands. And, And basically he says at the end, uh, and, and self-medicate, we all need to self-medicate a little bit once in a while. Well, it's no wonder that right down the road from the state capitol, we have a campaign going on in conjunction with another aspect of government, the San Francisco Department of Public Health, 
doing everything it can to make drug use look far more innocent and just suggesting ways where you can do drugs a little safer. Just, you know. We're going we're gonna to talk with State Senator Melendez about this at 4 o'clock. I want to hear her perspective. By the way, here's another aspect of her call. I told her that our second biggest podcast audience is California and that I want the world to hear her say as an insider that, yes, there are conservatives in California. Gavin Newsom does not represent every perspective in California. The, the, the Department of Public Health in San Francisco's inflammatory set of flyers that they're putting out, no telling how much they're spending on it, is not at all indicative of the way all Californians feel. Sometimes government gets it wrong. Here's another example. Just changing gears. I'm off the drugs now. That sounded bad. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna quote that one later on. Hey, Phil says he's clean and sober now. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving that one behind. I, I'm, okay, that's not getting any better. It's just stop. Remember, just looks at me and goes, just stop, just stop. Okay, I'm gonna take a break now. <laughs> Minnesota governor signs a bill codifying a fundamental right to abortion into law. I believe that sometimes government gets it wrong, and this is a classic example. And this one's going to wind up being very subjective. I mean, I think we can look at the drug use thing and say, just wrong, and how do you argue otherwise? There are people who believe, though, that abortion is absolutely okay. Abortion on demand. Abortion up to the point of birth and beyond. Why don't we just call it infanticide? That's what it is. But now in Minnesota... They have become the first state since the Dobbs decision came out that overturned Roe v. Wade. They became the first state as of, uh, what, two days ago to enshrine the fundamental right to access abortion in the state as a right in the state of Minnesota. It says abortion is already legal in Minnesota, but in the aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, the Protect Reproductive Options Act goes a step further by outlining that every person has the fundamental right to make autonomous decisions about their reproductive health. And with the passage of the bill, Minnesota is now the first state to codify abortion via legislative action. So it's basically the law of the land in Minnesota. I got a caller, Boomer. I got a break coming up. So we're going to do it. We better do it, bud. Um, we got a caller on line one, man. We do. Is that William from Huntsville? William, how you doing? Hey, bud, how you doing today? First, I want to say thank you. I enjoy listening to your, to your talk show whenever I'm coming home from work. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I usually agree with you on most of the stuff you're saying, but uh, right now, I, I don't think I really do. Okay. Uh, uh, recovering meth addict. Okay. Well, hey, um, glad you're recovering. Yeah, thank you. Uh, four years. Four years and three days. Uh, so, like, what? I, I used to live out in Atlanta when I, when I was doing some of my stuff, and there's a place out there where they, they don't want you doing drugs. No one wants you doing drugs, but being on drugs, they, you ain't going to listen to nobody. Uh, but, you know, they used to go in there and take your old needles, and they give you new ones. But the whole time, you know, they're sitting there trying to convince you not to. So it's not really what the government's doing wrong, because no one wants you to do drugs, but they're trying to get you to do it a safer way. I haven't seen the, the, the posters that you're talking about, but from my experience, I don't think that that would be a bad thing for them to be doing as much as it would be a more helpful All right. well, that's, that's way a, of trying to get people off of it. Man, that's, a, that's a great perspective. All right, first of all, I'm applauding you 
for being sober now for for what four years you said um and yes, and, and that's that's huge man and and stay on it uh I, I would hope that you would first of all disagree with gavin newsom a minute ago who said that clean and sober is a joke um but clean and sober is not a joke for you is it oh lord no 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 i mean I'm not. I'm not sure who Gavin Newsom is. I know he's from California. He's supposed to be running or something like that. Uh, obviously, he's not a big name because I don't. I don't think I've ever heard of, heard of him a couple times on the radio. You know. Um, no, no. Clean and sober is definitely not a joke. It's well, the whole, he's whole point of life right he, now. He's the uh, he's the governor of California, believed to be a future candidate yeah. for president, and he's also uh, leading the uh, one of the world's largest economies in California alone. So my point, I guess, I guess my point in this is, William, I get it, man. I hear you saying that they were trying to talk you out of it. Um, I used to work with addicts professionally, and I just, I just know that it's hard for them to make good decisions in the midst. And if they're being given free paraphernalia, a lot of times they're going to take it, and that's all there is to it. Uh, and it perpetuates the cycle. And so you're telling me you had a different well, yeah, experience. Mean, well, I mean, no, it, it definitely perpetuated the cycle. You know, it was, it was an endless cycle for me. Uh an addict's not going to get clean until they're ready for it, you know. Uh, my parents didn't want me to get on drugs. If they could have did it for me, I would have never got on it, you know. Yeah. Well. Eventually, they're going to hit the bottom, and then, then they'll finally realize what they need to do. But I'm not going to say I appreciate what the people did by being able to turn in the needles. Yeah. But I think that, it that you know, one, one it's going to help stop diseases. And, it, and it's going to, you know, kind of keep it a little bit cleaner and, and more of a safer way. Well, I tell you what, brother, listen, um, I, I ran long because I wanted to keep your call going, but I got a break, and Boomer's giving me the, the thumbs up that I got to take the break. But that's a bold call, and I appreciate you calling in. And I tell you what, more than anything, I'll tell you right now, and, and where all the world can hear me say it, you stay clean and sober, and God bless you, all right? Uh, yes, sir. Thanks so much. All right. Take Y'all care, buddy. Good. Boomer, take me to the break, brother. I know I ran long, but uh, that was a cool call. Um, I'm not sure I agree with everything, but that was a strong call. It was a strong call. All right, take it to a break, man. Mm -hmm. We will do that. We'll come right back. I got one or two more to talk about sometimes when government gets it wrong. Like, how about this? Out in California, if you're a doctor, they can take your license for not talking the way the state thinks you should talk. That's weird. We'll see. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative and just plain right making it cool to be a conservative um text lines have blown up today uh we've got uh any number of commentaries going on uh regarding the segments we've been in so far um some taking issue some not 833-687-4448 that's 833-68-RIGHT is the number if you ever can't if you, ever, if you ever think I read the number too fast, you're always welcome to go to our website, rightsideradio.org. It's printed right there across the top of the page. So, yeah, uh, but I can slow it down. I've been told to sometimes. 833-687 now. 
four four and a four and an eight. That's eight three three six eight riot. Okay. Anyway, um, finishing up this first section when government gets it wrong. Um, just read to you a moment ago, by the way, the the fact that. Minnesota's Democratic Governor Tim Walz is pretty excited because they just became the first state to codify a right to abortion under state law. Okay, Minnesota, um, I'm not sure I want that emblazoned upon, uh, you know, the, the marble of our, our, our state capital. But what kills me, though, is they never call these things what they are. First of all, changing a kid's gender is called gender-affirming care. All right? And then the next thing is, and they say it right here. This legislation will allow Minnesotans to have access to reproductive health care. You're not reproducing. Abortion is just the opposite. Why don't they call it non-reproductive health care? I mean, what all they're saying here is we intend to kill the baby and we want to have a right to kill babies. And yet they want to hide it behind special terms like reproductive health care. Uh, the next one I've got, though, to wrap this segment up. California just amazes me sometimes with the things that their, their legislature does. But um, Assembly Bill 2098 in California was passed into law in August of 2022, signed by California Governor Gavin Newsom, who thinks that sobriety is a joke. Says a federal judge halted, though, California's attempt to censor doctors when last Wednesday, the court enjoined the state statute that banned medical professionals from spreading purported misinformation or disinformation to their patients about COVID-19. If you're not familiar, this California law was passed in 2022, signed into law by the governor that says a doctor can lose their license, in essence, if they are caught, quote, spreading misinformation or disinformation. But who decides that? That was going to be my point. Who decides that? Perfect. Who? The state. So the state is now jumping into medical stuff. Again. Bureaucrats. Ugh. People who handle regulatory aspects of the medical profession. They can decide whether a doctor-patient relationship should or should not be going a certain direction. They get to decide what the agenda is. Never mind the fact that a doctor's job as trained and as sworn by the Hippocratic Oath, is to take care of their patient's needs on a case-by-case basis with what is necessary for that patient and to use all available means to promote health. Hmm. And here we are. The California law, though, is on hold. The court saw fit to enjoin it. In fact, Wednesday, presiding Judge William Shubb, who's a George Bush appointee, granted the motion to enter an injunction and even said... The plaintiffs not only had standing, they have a uh, basically a likelihood of prevailing on the merits of the case. We hope so, because sometimes the government gets it wrong. All right, folks, we're coming back with Boomer McQueen. You guys want to stay tuned for that one. One of my favorite times every week. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. I mean, we cover down on some ground across the great state of Alabama from way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. So uh, this is that time of the week that uh, I have just grown to love. All right, so... Boomer's here every day doing the thing, right? Boomer Boomer pushes the buttons, talks in the mic. He's become part of the fabric of the show. But what y'all don't know is his better three quarters is McQueen. That's right. That's right. So once a week now, we started doing this thing with 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 the what I, I now like to refer to as the hosts of the newest <laughs> portion of the right side multiverse, the 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 right life, Boomer and McQueen. Are here. You got the whoop whoops. Got to have the whoop whoop. Got to have play. the whoop whoops. Here we go. All right. I love it. All right, you guys. It's uh, it's Boomer McQueen time. So y'all know the deal. Uh, I got some questions. I throw a question out there. All right. Y'all give us your perspective. And I think I think what's so important in this is, uh, you know, a lot of times it's me on the mic. Boomer jumps in sometimes. But you guys have an amazing perspective of your own. You also come from the generation right behind mine. I think it's good to hear the uh, the perspective of other folks. Um, so, and if you're wrong, I'll yell at you. It's all right. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Put us in our place. Wait, we got to learn. You do some push-ups. Learn from st- the best. No, yeah. We're still learning. That's what <laughs> and that's what we talked about earlier. I mean, not earlier today, but uh, you know, a while back on the show is talking. You, know, we learn from the ones that have done it before us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Paved I learn. I learn from the ones who are with me. So yeah. let's, let's do it. You ready? Yeah. Uh, first question. Um, I'm going to. Uh, d- uh, who wants the first question? I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there. You both can chime in, but. Here's the question. Um, so keep hearing, by the way, that, that, that there's a trend among young couples um, that they're concerned about bringing children into the world. And so you guys are both parents of young children, beautiful young children. Um, Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. Uh, so what advice would you give someone as a young mom or dad right now? What, would you, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking twice about having children? Ooh, you going I, first? I like this. Okay, I'm going to take so you, it. All right, okay. mom took it. Go mom ahead, McQueen. Go what on. you got? Yeah, I mean, I agree that there's a lot to be scared of in the world right now. And like with bringing in young kids, um, it, it just it is what it is. But I also think that fear should not be what keeps us from you know, so our, our dreams and also pursuing what God intends for our lives. And when I look at, you know, we have a five-year-old and a one, excuse me, a five-and-a-half-year-old. Today is his oh, half birthday. Half birthday. Half he, birthday. He woke up super early just to let us know, Dad, guess what? What, Pat? What is it? He goes, it's my half birthday. It's his yes. half birthday. <laughs> so it's a big deal today. Yep. It's like half a piece of cake. Okay. Yeah, super excited. I oh, know, we better do something big tonight. So ha- a five-and-a-half-year-old <laughs> and a one-year-old. And I mean, I can't imagine life without them. Yeah. And like, you know, you look in their eyes and you see, yeah, you see innocence and that pure joy, but you also see determination and world changers. And that's what we need right now are people that are going to change this world and go out there and um, go, you know, just stand up against it. And then that's puts a lot of responsibility on us. I think that's probably the biggest thing. It would be like my advice is don't let fear hold you back and stand in the way of what God has in store for you because it's amazing and so much better than what you could have you know, dreamed of, but also 
it's our responsibility as parents to arm them so that they're able mm. to go out there in the world and stand up against evil and not you know not depart from the truth, raise them up the way they should go. So so that's, wow. that's so perfect. So you're basically you're saying it's not that it's not scary, but right. it's just so worth it. Absolutely, because it is. It's scary, that's, that's and huge. when I I mean every single day, like I just. I can't imagine the things that our children face and deal with and have to see. I, I hate it. And I, it's not what we had to deal with, but it is what it's, it's the world. And, you know, we live in an evil, evil world. And I think probably the other thing that makes it easier is knowing this is not our permanent home. And that sure makes it a lot okay. easier too, to get through. Cause it's, I wouldn't wish that this was what the childhood, you know, his childhood or her childhood looked like, but um, Boomer, wow. you're, you're so married up. I so, so married up. <laughs> so do I have to answer? Now? No, you don't have to. I mean, <laughs> well, saying, I, what she said. I'm going to go uh, a little beyond that. Okay, right, and right. I'm going to say, I mean, yes, go it is. It. it is very scary. Um, but for the ones that are like, all right, we're we're having kids. How do we raise them? I'm going to say to the fact of, hey, there's this country song out there. Okay. And it's, it's, <laughs> and he's, I'm ready for it. What is this? It's one? Rodney Atkins. I'm watching you. And so it, it just, just know that they're watching your every move and watching what you say. And, uh, and they are, they are learning from every single little thing you do. Yeah. And that is why it is so important to, uh, you know, stand strong in the word of God and mm-hmm. uh, raise your kids right. And that's why what we were talking about earlier, they are our precious, our precious jewels. Mm-hmm. And they are being molded by anybody that is in that authority figure. And that's why it's so important. We need to watch out what's in our schools. Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's that's because we I talked about that the other yeah. No, not to go into the school subject, but like when we talked about that, how they're with teachers and they're in their schools more almost more than they are with us and so yeah yeah, it's you know what's neat though i will say this uh i don't think for a second that anything you just said is anything that any generation couldn't have said Mm -hmm. i mean i know for a fact charlene and i we're we're empty nesters we're grandparents now uh we have watched our kids come up through the years and i think we had the exact same response to them being a part of our lives we cannot imagine time without them Mm. we 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 and, and you said something a moment ago that just this this McQueen that just this caught me that you can see what did you say the the innocence and the joy oh. in their eyes mm-hmm. yeah and we need that as adults too by the oh, way oh absolutely Ab- yes. at the end of a long day mm-hmm. you come home and your your little dude or your little girl runs to the door to meet you the day is better no matter what oh, happened hands <laughs> down yeah it is all right man yep. that was good. Okay. Wow. That was a good question. <laughs> Let's go home. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, you guys. Uh, that, love that. So, okay. So let, let's let's do this. Let's move to the next question. Totally okay. different subject. All right. Totally. Totally different. different. All right. How do I go with this? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think how to word the question. So she did say you're the worst phrase ever. I thought you were going to kick her out of here. Sorry. I just squirrel oh, moment she right did. over here. She did I, say, I did. No, she, she said it. She said, she said it, it is what it is. is. Yeah. Oh. We're going to get texts about that. They're going to kick you out. Oh, right. man. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't even like that, <laughs> I, I did. that I, saying I, either, actually. But she was on such a roll. I, I know. I didn't want to say anything right in the moment. Call but me I had to bring out, it up. Because right. I actually, it drives me crazy when people say it is what it is. It's not just what it is. Sorry. That was the squirrel moment. It's what you make it. It's what you make it. There we go. And now what it is, is you have to bring us maple bacon donuts. Like Y'all and your donuts. That's the official food of Right Side Radio is maple bacon donuts. I can get on board with that. All right, next question. Next you ready? Question. Yep. Senator Katie Britt. All right. Yeah. U.S. Senator Katie Britt. She was in here a couple months she ago. She was. Right? right there in the chair where you are. Okay. Uh, she's roughly the same age as you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is that good or bad? I mean, so here's my question. Is it good or bad based on the responsibilities involved with a U.S. senator? How do you feel knowing that you have someone your age group as a U.S. senator making those kind of decisions, good or bad? What do you I'm, think? I'm going to take it first. Boom, uh, what you got? Well, just one, I think having somebody our age um, in the Senate, I think that's incredible. And some people look incredible good or incredible bad? incredible good right. because I think a lot of people look at us as the younger a younger generation that we don't know as much, but we do. Um, I've been in situations. <laughs> I'm just going to say we do. He's rather <laughs> humble when he approaches this question. No, no I'm just saying like we know a lot that's coming up in 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 this mm-hmm. time in this culture, and I think she's going to do an incredible job standing up for herself, and I think she already has, and um, she's she's going to do an incredible job right there in the Senate. Okay, so uh, basically, what you're saying is it doesn't bother you a bit that someone your age is a U.S. senator. Nope. You, you're you're good with your your age demographic yeah, being in there. I, I I'm absolutely okay with that. I, I mean, okay. I'm not. I mean, I'm if not it was one of us, okay that with, would not be good. But <laughs> I'm not saying me, guys. <laughs> I'm not me. Katie Britt's going to do it a great job. <laughs> By the way, I think both of you could be U.S. senators. What, Maybe what, up what, uh, Pennsylvania. You, uh, I'll go. Oh yeah. Okay, Fetterman. All right. Yeah. Uh, what well, your thoughts on it then? No, I'm. Totally on board with that. I think it's an incredible, I mean, incredible opportunity. And also just to kind of pave the way to show other young people that like, hey, like we, we can do that. I don't mean, again, I don't mean us, but like other, you know, potential senators. That's not, that's not my dream though. So that's the thing. But like, I think it's, you need to be someone that wants to make a difference, which I think she definitely is and it's just an incredible opportunity um she and and she's also like she's living she's living through these 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 things that are going on and like the new just all the the bills and what the these topics and um you know everything are it's she's not just sitting there on on the hill in dc and doesn't know what's what we're fighting for so she's like she's in the yeah she's she's still she has a family right so i mean wow okay so I think All she's right. really in the trenches experiencing the trenches. it. and good, um, But yeah, I think what an awesome opportunity. And really, not like a moment in history, but yeah, because it's we, we get really comfortable with what is. And I think bringing in that new, fresh perspective is going to just be a game changer. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you, so uh, I love uh, it. and nothing that, not that it ever matters whether I agree with your comments or not on this segment, but I, I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely... First of all, I think it's absolutely necessary. Yes. That the yes. Gener- that, that is not More of it. That, that we're not just seeing the U.S. Senate filled with geriatrics. All mm-hmm. right. I think that's that's huge, and I, I also think it's uh, super important that we um, that we see uh, a fresh perspective that inspires people of her own age demographic back home, like yeah. you guys. Right. Uh, so well, it makes us want to get more involved. Yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, too. honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to get involved with other um, an older generation in there. In the Senate, but uh, it just brings a new life. I know I'm I'm trying not to dig a hole now, but <laughs> well, it, it kind of felt like it was the like almost that glass ceiling, like you couldn't get in, like it was just we this was we the don't, we don't use that phrase here. <laughs> <laughs> she already had another phrase. Man, I'm like just failing here. <laughs> Golly, sorry, y'all. Oh man. But you know, it just seemed like it was almost like an impossible thing. Like, okay, it's only you have to have been sat here for this long, and I'm yeah. all about the limit of you know. Term limits as well, so yeah. we got to get that fresh mm-hmm. blood in there. Uh, I, I like it. So it's not it's not all Mitch McConnell being eighty years old going. Well, we didn't <laughs> say we were ever going to have a Republican <laughs> wave. Well, I saw something on not yeah. the Instagram is like the Bible, but on Instagram the other day, and it was and it was showing like the average age like in the Senate and like over time, and you know I, I can't remember the exact. I'm not going to give exact ages or years or anything, but it was like average age was forty, and then it was sixty five, and now it's. 
82 or you know whatever it is and it's just crazy just yeah. over the last 30 years yeah. i was so. just gonna say wisdom comes with age so okay. i that's that's what all i'm gonna say i mean gray I just hair think, is a mantle of authority there we go <laughs> <laughs> said the guy with more gray hair than either one of you in the room <laughs> take us to a break boomer we'll do it right now all right that's a great that was a great discussion all right so yeah we're with boomer and mcqueen hosts of the new right life podcast which you can get and apparently hundreds of people have gotten uh, so, yeah, you guys are already taken off as part of the Right Side Multiverse. All right, we'll be right back with more Boomer McQueen. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. All right, we're back in what is becoming one of my favorite moments of every single week. We just call it Boomer McQueen. And uh, so, yeah, Boom's here and his better three quarters, McQueen. They are the new hosts of the uh, the, the latest addition to the Right Side Multiverse, the, the Right Life podcast. <laughs> Sounds so fun. It does. It does sound I fun. I like the, the Right Side Multiverse <laughs> podcast, the Right Life. Anyway, uh, so... All right, I asked y'all questions. Now we go to that portion where y'all get to ask me anything. So uh, ladies first, McQueen, what you got? Yeah, well, since you kind of asked us a little bit about just parenting or bringing kids into this world, I know you are a grandpa, but a cap. A cap. We're called called cap. (laughs) I'm cap. So with your beautiful grandchildren, what is your biggest concern or fear in just the world that they are they're growing up in. Well, first of all, I want you to know that I I, I always got parenting right every time. <laughs> I didn't do I, mean, I figured anything wrong. I mean, gosh. Yeah, I would not have thought anything I differently. Am, <laughs> I am certainly the model by which all dads should be measured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taking uh, notes. Yeah, please. Do. I'm going to ask Charlene about that. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Um, uh, but yeah, so so what are my fears and concerns about my grandbabies? Yeah. Uh, I have two I have two beautiful, two so far, two beautiful grandkids. Um they are no different than the same concerns I had for, you know, uh my own kids coming up. Mm. I want them to know the Lord. I want them to uh be raised healthy. So you know, it's kind of funny too. I, I have this thing, whenever I find out somebody's pregnant, I, I feel like I have to pray for that child the moment mm-hmm. I find out. Mm. Cool. Um and you know my kids when they were when when we were you know just finding out that Charlene was pregnant with our kids, um, from the moment I heard, I prayed constantly, uh, you know that it, Lord God bless this child to be born beautiful and healthy, strong and fit, free from any harm, whew, or injury or illness or infirmity. Um, they would grow up to know you, to love you, to serve you all the days of their life, and and and. I pray that same thing on my grandkids now. Wow. So wow. it's a uh, dead gum to stand right <laughs> in the heart. But anyway, the bottom line is this. Um, how I feel about my grandchildren is the exact same way I feel about my kids. Yeah. Uh, it's just that I get to sugar them up and send them home. You <laughs> that's right. That's a good thing. No? I know. They can, come to, they can come to Captain Sweetie's house, get all the bad habits, and we send them home. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yes. no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's no different. And And... I feel like in some ways uh, the evil of the world is more accessible to our kids now. 
Um, and that's, that's disturbing. Uh, I, I look at what, um, you know, when my kids were young, if we didn't put the DVD in or the VHS tape in, or if it wasn't on one of the few channels that we had on cable, they weren't going to see it. They weren't going to see it, right. right. Yeah. No, it's at their fingertips. Yeah, and I didn't have any illusions about their school being a place where they were going to have somebody try to perpetrate a liberal agenda on them because mm-hmm. I knew the school was going to teach them just reading, writing, and arithmetic. And, and now right. it's just even on a random commercial. Now, now you yeah. can't even watch yeah. the commercials. You're exactly right. Or They're, YouTube, they surf YouTube. It just pops right up. I mean, you just I, never know. I had a case in court not long ago where the lady said something about somebody just exposed himself, and I said, ma'am, he was wearing a pair of gym shorts. You see less than that on a TV commercial right now. Mm. And, um, and you know, but, but that's true. So I, am I concerned? I have the exact same concerns. I feel like culture has made those concerns a little bit more like, I feel like time is of the essence every day, yeah. mm. you yeah. know? Um, so, uh, and just that, have to really be on guard. That's, yeah. that's good. I, I'm going to not say my question, but I have another one that uh, goes off of that. And that, okay. that is what's a, what's some words of encouragement for young families? From a generation that's already raised kids. It's worth it. Yeah. Mm. It's worth it. Mm. Thank you. I mean, I, every phew, minute. It's worth it. I mean, just so is it hard to raise kids? Freaking yeah. Is it expensive to raise kids? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Is it is <laughs> it tiring? <laughs> is it tiring to raise kids? Yeah. Uh, but do you do you have moments when you just need a break? Yeah. But you know what? It's worth it. Mm, it thank is you. it is better than any job you could ever have. Uh, it's the most rewarding thing you can ever do, yeah. and it's the most fulfilling thing you can ever do. Make life worth living. And you will screw it up every day. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Every day. Every day. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Golly, yeah. y'all well, just like ripped a hole in my heart on this one. I know. We got about a minute and 30 seconds. All right. So stupidest story of the week. I ask you guys always to surf around and find what's the stupidest story of the week. Who's going first on this one? Oh you, you I, I mean all right I'm I'm going to go and it's going to go for both of us. All right. Cuz we brought it up just actually right before. Did you know there was a school employee accused of stealing 1.5 million dollars worth of food from a cafeteria? Ah, Mostly but what is that food? Chicken wings. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where was the story? Where was this? Illinois. A uh, 1.5 million dollars of chicken wings. That's you, a boatload of chicken wings. That's actually <laughs> 4 to 6 million chicken wings. Man. What? Yep. So I mean, I love me some chicken wings. All right, so now, they at least have good so, taste. I got to say, and, and the audience, I guarantee the text message is going to come in, I'm not a chicken wing fan. What? Oh. I know. Man, you get, you rag me about coffee and you're you, not a chicken wing fan. And it's fan. all right. We're you like at Super Bowl wings, time. <laughs> what? You're, you're, we're really not going to be liked because it's like Super Bowl time. It's Super Bowl food. I mean, food. They're, they're little... St- Dubby pieces of chicken wings that was like, okay, were they, it's like a frog leg. It's like, you're just, you're gnawing at the bone trying to make something happen. And, you know, and, and, and I don't get the idea of making them so hot that it inflames your entire, like your, your palate is just crushed for the rest of the day. Do you like boneless wings? There is no such thing as a boneless wing. <laughs> it's just fake chicken uh, wings. You're doing chicken uh, nuggets uh, now I'm is all you're doing. Oil. That's a chicken nugget is all that is. A buffalo, do you like buffalo nuggets? You're just making crap up. She's just making everything up now. <laughs> uh, so, where was this person who stole 1.5 million dollars worth of chicken wings, which equates to four to five million? Four to six million. Four to six wings. million. Mm-hmm. Chick- where they was they? They were this? in Illinois, somewhere like I think it was Cook County. Yeah, Harvey, Illinois. It says it's Chicago area school district. Well, it had to be Chicago. Uh, had to be Chicago. <laughs> All right. All right. I love you guys. Y'all do an amazing work. Oh, Y'all listen you. to the uh, Right Life podcast. The 
newest portion of the Right Side Multiverse, <laughs> hosted by Boomer McQueen. We'll have him back again next week, too. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with California State Senator Melissa Melendez. ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I am pleased to go to the phones right now and, uh, and, and, and basically expand all of our horizons. You know, I've told you multiple times on this show that after, the, uh, after we daily air our syndicated show on AM and FM across the entire northern half of the state, that we also podcast the show. And our second biggest podcast audience for months has been the state of California. Well, just listen, I, I love the state of California, lived there myself uh, for a period of time. It was also a very turbulent part of my life, I'll be honest. Uh, but that being said, there is so much good out there, despite what all we see in the news. That being said, I'm, I met someone at a, uh, a conservative policy conference uh, in D.C. a while back, uh, State Senator Melissa Melendez. So uh, Melissa Melendez is on the line with us. She formerly served in the, uh, the uh, uh, California Assembly, basically their house. And then she served in the California State Senate. She's a veteran of the U.S. Navy. She became fluent in Russian, uh, flew on uh, EP-3 reconnaissance aircraft, served during uh, the Cold War as well as Operation Desert Shield in a storm. Uh, and, uh, and, and she is now on the line with us. Senator Melendez, how are you doing? Bill, thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing great. Um, you know, <laughs> California has our share of issues, but we also have a lot of really good people out here who are working on those issues. Well, and I know that to be true. In fact, uh, what's interesting is you told me right before you went on the air, you're now the president of, is it called the Golden State Policy Council? Is that right? It is. And it is a new conservative think tank in California where we're going to be crafting policies that we'll be presenting to legislators and the grassroots, of course, and pushing for some change in California. Well, that's that's outstanding. You know, I, I was the director of policy for the Alabama Policy Institute, uh, which has got about three decades of service, but it's it's been a conservative think tank, part of the state policy network for quite a while. And I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm just I'm so pleased to hear you're doing what you're doing now in California. Well, I may be leaning on you for some guidance and mentorship as we go down this road because this is not going to be an easy task in California. You know that. Your listeners know that. We have a lot going on in California and not going in the right direction, but we are we are aiming to fix that. 
Well, and I and I know that to be true. And I think I think one of the things that we'll get to in a minute when I, after we finish this specific story about the the harm reduction program in San Francisco is that the folks need to hear there are conservatives fighting the battle out there in California. But let me let me ask you first, what caught my attention, Melissa, and you and I texted back and forth about it. You put out a tweet the other day, and I talked about it earlier in the show, about the harm reduction coalition partnering with the San Francisco Department of Public Health to put out flyers that just basically don't do anything to mitigate drug use. They just tell you how to have a better time doing it with your friends and maybe even snorting it as opposed to shooting up. And it's just, I couldn't believe these posters. Tell me what you saw. (laughs) Yeah, I got a lot of messages from people after I put that tweet out and they said, is this real? This cannot possibly be real. And I said, oh, it's real. And this is a push that, you know, they've been making for quite some time in California. You know, we had a bill a couple of years, maybe three years in a row that wanted to make all of California a place where they would have these harm reduction centers where you could go and do your drugs under the supervision of medical professionals. They would give you clean needles, clean paraphernalia. You can pass that on the couch and walk out the door when you were done. Come in anytime you want. No requirements for any type of you know rehab or some sort of program to get you off of the drugs. It was just a nice, clean, safe environment for you to do your drugs. And in my mind... That's not harm reduction. That is escorting people to their graves because these are hard, illicit drugs. And, you know, no good comes from doing those drugs. And we all know the statistics of how many people eventually die from prolonged use of these types of of drugs. Well, absolutely. And and in fact, um, San Francisco... Uh, has been ravaged by uh, the streets being covered up with homelessness and drug use and mental illness and, you know, people defecating in the streets. And you've got, they've actually got people who are now paid to do the poop patrol where they go in to scoop things up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's, right. that's all, I mean, San Francisco to me is the epicenter of government doing it wrong right now. And these posters <laughs> almost seem to glorify drug use. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was shiny, happy people sitting on the sidewalks take, taking turns doing drugs in the posters. Right. That none of them look like they're having a bad time. None of you know, they don't show the ugly side of addiction in these posters. They just show people having a good time and oh it's fine. It's just, you know, it's it's as if to say, you know, everybody does it. Look, they're all having a good time. And it's just not reality. I mean, if you go walk the streets up in San Francisco, walk through the tenderloin and see all of the hopeless people on the streets there, go down to Skid Row in LA and see the hopeless people block after block of tents of people who are homeless and who have drug addiction. And the state's response is, you know what, maybe you should uh, snort your drugs instead of injecting it. Or, you know, why don't you try smoking it or make sure someone's watching you? I mean, it's, it's completely ludicrous, but that's what they tried to do statewide. They wanted this push. They, their suggestion is that, you know, this keeps people from overdosing. Well, I'm sure in some cases it does, but that's assuming that those who who are addicted to these drugs always, every single time, go to these centers to do their drugs where someone is watching over them. And, of course, we know that's not true. They might come in occasionally. They might come in only once, and the rest of the time they're in their tent on the street or wherever it is they live, and that's where they're doing their drugs and where no one can save them. The point is to help them get off of the drugs, not enable them to keep doing them. Well, yeah, I totally agree. And um, listen, I mean, there, I, I, I feel certain that that 
it doesn't help that you've got Gavin Newsom as the governor. I, 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 I played a clip from him earlier in the show that to me, it's part of what sets the tone when the governor gets out there and he said in his sound clip that sobriety is a joke and that we all need the opportunity to self-medicate sometimes. And that was his actual comment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I look at that and think, well, why would anyone yeah. think to do differently if leadership of the state is saying that's their position? Right. If that's the message you're sending people, it's no different than when you're raising kids. And if you're you know, doing drugs in the house and, and your kids see that, they assume that's normal and, and that's just what you do. And the governor going out and saying something like that isn't helpful to the many, many people we have in the state who have an addiction problem. But, I mean, this is how they view it as um, drugs and, and, you know, cannabis is now legal and they're trying to reduce the taxes on that and, and kind of rig the system so that uh, different people get different breaks for opening a cannabis shop because they feel that, you know, we have to have equity. But then they will turn around and say, but anything that is a tobacco product is bad and we have to ban yeah. that. But smoke as much marijuana as you want and do as much meth as you want. I mean, it's completely crazy. Well, so let me ask you, there's a, there's a guy, I mean, and, I, and I've, I've reported on his stuff multiple times uh, as we just talk about stuff in general, because we don't focus on California per se, but it, it can't help but come up on a conservative talk show. And you've got a guy named, uh, is it, is it Senator, Senator Weiner? Is that his name? Who, who always seems Correct. to be Senator the Scott author Weiner. or the progenitor of these most liberal policies. And I guess you served in the legislature with him, didn't you? I did. Um, and you are correct in your assessment. He has, he has introduced and, and been able to get past a number of measures that I think your listeners would be shocked to hear. Um, he's, He's had bills that allow biological male felons to self-ID as women and then be placed in women's prisons. He's had bills that allow health care workers who don't use the right pronouns with their patients to have criminal penalties assigned to them. He made California a sanctuary state, as you probably heard, for kids, or I should say parents, who want to bring their kids here to transition them into a different gender without the permission or authorization from the other parent. Um, he, I mean, he really he really puts it out there. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these bills get passed because nobody wants to be accused of being anti, um, you know, LGBT, anti this, anti that. So if you go against any of these bills, as I repeatedly have, then you're called a racist, you're called homophobic, you're called, you know, all sorts of names to try to get you to back down which is the opposite of what people should be doing. You should say, you can call me all the names you want, but your policies are awful and they're going to end up harming people instead of helping them. Yeah, I, it, I, I can't imagine. You know, I, I live in Alabama and I've said too often it becomes too easy to be branded a conservative without having to do anything to prove it because we're in a red state. You guys have been towing the line and, and doing all you can to make it happen uh, on a regular basis. But I guess the point is, though, hearing you talk right now, there are conservatives in California that are carrying the banner for conservatism uh, on a daily basis. And, and uh, talk to me about that a minute. For we got about two or three minutes left. Sure. Well, there are an awful lot of conservatives in California. Of course, you know, we are outnumbered um, as far as voter registration. That is true. About a fourth of our state is registered Republican. Uh, about a fourth is registered as an independent voter. Uh, a few other mixed in between. And then the rest are Democrats. So we're certainly outnumbered. However... 
they are, you know, it's pockets within the state. But I will tell you that the conservatives in the state, not just Republicans, but true conservatives, are really energized and they're looking for a way, you know, something tangible to make things happen in the state. That is part of the reason why we started Gold State Policy Council, because we want to give them that avenue where they can actually, you know, affect change in the state. But they feel kind of hopeless at this point, um, understandably so, given that the legislature does whatever it is they want to do with literally no pushback from the media or anyone else. Mm. But conservatives in the state have not given up. They really haven't. They come out. I just did an event the other night, and there must have been 200 people there just eager to hear what can we do, what's going on, how can we help. Mm. Please just give us our marching orders, and we will go do it. So they haven't given up. Um, I think Democrats have certainly, to some extent, have become complacent because they're used to you know being in charge and having all the offices held by their party. But conservatives have not. They are they are ready and willing to fight. Well, and I think the the interesting piece there is is you know whereas in Alabama it can be easy to become complacent, just like you're talking about your Democrats in California can get complacent because they're so used to being in charge. You guys are more hungry. I'd say you're 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 you're, you're lean and mean and hungry for the opportunity to see something change, and uh, and I think that's what it takes. But um, anyway, listen. Uh, State Senator Melissa Melendez, president of the Golden State Policy Council, you are on God's mission. So um, I want to stay in touch and, and just keep posted on things that are happening your way and whatever we can do to help you from our side, we'd be glad to do it. Well, I sure appreciate that. I mean, given your experience with your own policy council in the state of Alabama, I'm certainly going to be leaning on you for some guidance and mentorship, but also just, you know, every now and then a little pep talk <laughs> might be helpful <laughs> given what's going on here in California, you know. But we haven't given up, and I hope I know the rest of the country kind of scratches their heads when, when they see what's going on here. But I just want to make sure your listeners know that not everybody here has given up, and not everybody here is progressive, and um, <laughs> we're going to make things happen here in California. It's just going to take some time. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we love y'all on the left coast and, uh, and, 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 and <laughs> we, we need you in the fight. So y'all stay in it, my friend. And, uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. All right. Phil, you're the best. Thanks so much. All right. That was cool. California state Senator Melissa Melendez, uh, now the president of the Golden State Policy Council, proof positive that there are conservatives not just Republicans, but actual conservatives uh, still carrying the banner of conservatism out there in California. Boomer, take us to a break, brother. I ran long so I could keep that uh, that interview going. We'll come right back, sort of wrap that up, move into the next part of the Triple Dipper. I'm going to go into Paper Chase. Oh, yeah. What's happening? Did they find more stuff at Biden's house? I'll tell you. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I tell you what, folks, I got to tell you before I go any further, ZLA Solutions, they've been with this show since its very beginning. New ads are starting to run for ZLA Solutions on the air right now. Uh, they, they've got some crazy cool stuff going on. They've been doing an amazing job, had one of their best years ever at putting people in jobs together. I mean, they do a lot of business in solutions, but, but one of their, their bread and butter items is staffing. Well, they've got a special thing going right now in Huntsville. They are hiring right now for high-tech jobs, white-collar high-tech jobs, at a new facility being put together out at the Arsenal. And I'm going to tell you right now, these are, these are high-paying jobs. You can go to their website, ZLAUSA.com, find out the details if you think you qualify. Listen, this is, this is a good gig. But they can do anything. I mean, so it doesn't matter what kind of job, really, blue-collar, white-collar, no-collar. If you're an employer looking for people, ZLA Solutions is maybe where you want to turn. I'm just saying. They've got the ability to do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing, all of it, and, and, and take all that load off of you. And apparently they're so good at it that they keep growing as a company. It's just been exponential. And, uh, and so anyway, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Go to their website, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. They can help you. Their, their mission in life, that's what their mission in life is. They say at ZLA, we don't make it, we make it better. Their job is to help you make your business better. So check them out, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Uh, got a bunch of text, Boomer. Oh, a lot of text. Uh, JP from Priceville just says, thank you guys for everything you're doing to promote and preserve our true Christian and conservative heritage. Love the show. Thank you, JP. We appreciate you listening. Mm. William from Huntsville, the guy who called in a little while ago. Um, the guy who talked about his sobriety for the last four years and yeah. all that, he just he sent me great a great guy. text, man, just just awesome text, and I replied back to him already. But he just he basically said too that if we are ever doing a section on, uh, um, you know, people needing to overcome things and, and stay sober, he'd come back on again in a heartbeat and talk about oh, it. Oh, that's awesome! It is awesome. He says, Thank in you, fact, it, it close the office. He says, you never know what someone else is going through, and if one person can be saved, um, uh, where I lost my train of thought. Where some one person could be. I, he just texted back in that moved my page. <laughs> moved so I, the page. I did. Um, yeah, if one person can be saved from addiction, that's one more person who can help others. Thanks again mm. for all you do and for the perspectives and topics you cover and the information you give. That's good stuff. William, yep. we appreciate you. Uh, ben from Decatur just texted in, said, regarding your discussion on Katie Britt, I hope she proves to us that she doesn't stray from conservative values. McConnell's a proven liberal with an R by his name. Uh, basically what he's saying is he's, he's watching and waiting, but he's hoping that's all turns out to be true. Mm. Uh, John from Huntsville Boomer, since you were nice and played those crazy camels <laughs> twice I decided to count that as extra credit So you and McQueen get an A-. minus. Hey, <laughs> I got an A That's alright, take the A, man I'll Just take, take it, take, the a. Yeah, take it and run with it TC from Priceville says um, Chicken wings, he goes That's the only way to call something a chicken wing it's <laughs> a, I don't, I, What's he saying to me? Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. He says it up above. He says there's no such thing as a boneless wing. Oh, yeah. I literally refuse to eat any go restaurant. Bone in. Yes. Bone in. It's bone in or none. Bone in. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs. Boomer, you are reprieved. He said, he said speaking, uh, <laughs> you are reprieved from not liking coffee since Colonel Phil doesn't like coffee. Qu- 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 like, I can't speak. Chicken wings. And then he, he came back with Bojangles party trick. <laughs> Bojangles. Mm. Trina from Elkmont says, bone in chicken wings. That's how she got caught. <laughs> I mean, that's how those she bone, got caught. Those bone in chicken wings. Bone in chicken wings. They're going to come over and come up with the next seedless watermelon. <laughs> um, Jimmy from Moulton. 
Yeah, he says, these are my kids, nine and seven. I'm scared to death with the way the world is. I'm 42. My wife's 30. We just teach them right from wrong, and that family is everything. And, I, and you already responded back. You said amen, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot more. We'll get on some of them when we get back. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia and Tennessee and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Hey, uh, folks, before we go any further, I got to tell you, uh, so Riley and Jackson Law Firm, um, Riley and Jackson Law Firm, based out of Birmingham. These are friends of mine. I know them personally. These are solid people. They're a great law firm. They're based in Birmingham, but they work statewide, and they've got decades of experience at helping people be made whole because of the negligence of others. Now, one of the things they're working on right now, which is pretty important for some of y'all to know, is this water contamination case at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So if you were ever at Camp Lejeune between, here's the years, 1953 and 1987, Anywhere in that time frame, whether you were in the military or a dependent or a contractor, they're on permanent duty station status or TDY training, whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. You may well have been, you know, affected by this contaminated water that has been attributed to up to 19 different major illnesses. Riley and Jackson can talk you through it. They got like five lawyers working this deal, and they'll tell you what's what. They won't charge you for the phone call. They've got another one they're working on. They let me know about just recently uh, if you were a firefighter and you work with firefighting foam or in the military working with firefighting foam, then you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of firefighting foam. They're working on that too. And they will assess your over the phone. They'll assess your situation, let you know if they see the potential for a claim. They will not get paid unless you get paid. But they also work on all kinds of other cases. I'm going to suggest to you, you might want to give them a call. Just talk through it. Please tell them you heard about it on the right side radio. Here's the phone number I'm about to give you. You ready? 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. And tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Thank you so much. All right, I got to do the thing now, Boomer, don't I? Oh, yeah. oh you got time? I got to do it. I don't, I, got, I don't even know where my phone is. I'll just do it. Ready? <gasps> no representation made the quality of legal services be performed as great the quality of services before the lawyers. Uh, that was okay, like, I'm sure. I, I bet it was like, like a... That. 3.2. Why did you take a deep breath when I took a deep breath? I was counting. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a deep breath to count. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
All right. Hey, listen, uh, let me move forward here. By the way, I got I to gotta check a few more texts before I go into my last segment because there's a little bit of an update here on what's going on with the paper chase for Biden's uh, classified documents. But um, but uh, I saw where uh, Jimmy from Moulton just texted in about his family, and I we, we already said mm. Boomer replied back to him, amen, sir, keep praying for him every day. Um, Tony from Tony from Piedmont, and it's like a multiple text, so I got to figure out where to start here. Uh, I think he's talking about the chicken wings, and he says, I concur with the yard bird, just eggs. <laughs> so he's not a chicken fan is what it sounds like, just eggs. Just eggs. All right, our, our, our one old boy um, who calls himself the parts guy from Albertville. Oh. So the parts guy from Albertville <laughs> says, to me, stand your ground, mean man, chicken wings, yuck, overrated. <laughs> Uh, David from God from Huntsville texted in and, and, and wanted to make it. We were talking about Katie Britt earlier. Right. He said, and also the new Congress, new leadership, 97 former military members, 149 women, 18 members born in other countries, three Republican women of Hispanic heritage. Uh, John James and Wesley Hunt are both from West Point, uh, and members are 11 years younger on average now. Wow. That's all at one time. That's that's pretty cool. Wow. Um what you got? Sweet. You got something else? Uh, John John from Huntsville uh, wrote in and he said, KFFL, Kentucky Fried Frog Legs. That's, that's all oh, they man, are. that's some good eating right there. <laughs> it's not good eating. It's just, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. What else? Uh, gosh, I mean, the text lines just blew up. Folks, we love having this audience participating. Let me, let me, uh, let me jump over for a few minutes because that's all we got left. Yeah, just a little bit. This show has flown by. By the way, stay tuned for tomorrow. We expect to have uh, State Republican Party Chairman John Wall uh, on the air with us. We'll talk about uh, what just happened at the National Conference. And you may be interested to know that the, uh, the winter dinner uh, for the Alabama Republican Party is coming up. And the speaker, the keynote speaker this year, is none other than Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So that's going to be interesting. Um, speculation that he's going to announce a run for the presidency sometime in the near future. And he's speaking in Alabama. I may want to be there for that one. Um, but number two of the triple dipper for the day, because apparently I'm getting two dippers out of today, Boomer. I may, I may get a, I may get a lower grade from John from Huntsville, but nonetheless, I'm doing all I can. That's all right. Lots of info. So yeah, lots of info. (laughs) So Biden and the classified documents, the plot thickens. You may recall our president who has been made rich off of, we don't know what, um, he has more than one house. So his beach house in Delaware, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, uh, they just went and searched it apparently this weekend. The FBI showed up and spent uh, three and a half hours, I believe, from 830 to around noon searching the Biden Rehoboth Beach house. They are calling it, by the way, a planned, coordinated search. The Biden administration is quick to point out this was a planned, coordinated search which I am quick to point out, came one week after he stayed there. So if something was in the house, well, he was just there. And then they came in a week later to do their planned, coordinated search. Daily Wire has a piece that came out yesterday. The FBI reportedly completed its search of Biden's vacation home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, as the criminal investigation to the president's handling of classified material grows. It says, according to Bob Bauer, Biden's personal attorney, The DOJ's planned search of the president's Rehoboth residences, are there more than one? (laughs) Conducted in coordination with cooperation with the president's attorneys has concluded. The search was conducted from 8.30 a.m. to noon. Bauer claimed that no documents with classified markings were found. 
And then it goes, however, wait for the shoe to drop. The DOJ did take for review some materials and handwritten notes that appear to relate to his time as vice president. What the frick does that mean? So they took some stuff. Now, I got news. The situation has gotten a little weird because that's the second time we've heard of things being taken from Biden's office or from his homes. Um, so that could be items. Just items. Just it, pray tell what items. Yeah. What items are they taking? Whether I mean, they're not taking like his, you know, signed uh, autobiographical copy <laughs> of Obama's memoirs. We're not seeing that. <laughs> Nope. What we're seeing is something else that apparently has handwritten notes that relate to his time as vice president. So what was he doing that raised the FBI's suspicions enough where they had to take it with them to review it further? Handwritten notes. Okay, today I said this to Putin about his nuclear capacity. I mean, what do we have? Uh, Today I called Ukraine, told him to lay off of Hunter or I would have to have a fit with them. What are they going to find? His personal diary? I've, I, I, you would think again. He was just there. He was just there last week. <laughs> Come on, take take everything, or just find if he doesn't if he doesn't remember. Hey, my main man, you. I know you know every secret spot in my house. How about you go look and make sure I don't have anything in here? Well, you know that happened. <laughs> I mean, once all this broke, you got. If they didn't do it, they're wrong. Right. But at this point, they're still finding stuff. So he was just there last weekend. So now they find no classified mark, but they did find some. Things. Some things. With handwritten notes dating from his time as vice president, which they, they're not going to take the stuff, you know, the, the, the signed, you know, postcard from, you know, the other head of state. They're not going to take the things that are like his calendar where he said, and on today's date, I was happy to host the Glee Club from, <laughs> you know, so-and-so <laughs> high school. He's not going to do that. But what they're taking is something that apparently drew their attention in the midst of searching for Classified items. All right, Post Millennial has a piece that also came out yesterday. The Biden DOJ blocks the National Archives from speaking on Biden's classified documents, but allowed it for Trump's documents. Yeah, uh, that's right. Y'all couldn't hear it, maybe, but Boomer just went, uh. I went, ooh, uh. of course. Republican Representative James Comer on Tuesday revealed that the National Archives was not allowed to talk about the classified materials found in President Joe Biden's possession despite their extensive public coverage of former President Donald Trump's own classified document controversy. I mean, my first thought was, okay, I mean, they didn't say anything, so now you're blank. No, they said they can't say anything. So the Kentucky congressman and new chairman of the House Oversight Committee said the National Archives General Counsel, Gary Stern, told him that he had been blocked from making public statements on Biden's scandal, noting that only the Justice Department of the White House could have made that order. Huh. Right before the National Archives came in, he says they handed us a letter from the Department of Justice informing them and us that the general counsel for the National Archives was not allowed to say anything about the Biden documents. So we went ahead and had a three and a half hour meeting, transcribed interview with the general counsel. And what we learned is that there's a double standard with how Donald Trump was treated versus Joe Biden. He even points out, he says, on the National Archives website, this is on the Post Millennial, by the way, on the National Archives website, There's an entire section dedicated to the classified material found in Trump's residence in Mar-a-Lago less than a year since leaving the presidential office. And he juxtaposed that to the fact that there's nothing related to Biden. So we asked the general counsel, he says, why are there no press releases sent on Joe Biden once it was determined that he had classified documents? 
and the general counsel said he did do press releases, but he was ordered and told they could not be published. When he was asked who gave him the orders, he said, I can't tell you that. This is a complete, this is absolute, that's, that's maddening. So you know what? Either do it for everybody or don't do it for everybody. But don't, don't do it for one and not the other. If you're going to put up a, a whole page on your website where you can go and see information about the Trump documents, but then say, I'm not even allowed to issue a press release, but you prepared one, didn't you? Well, yes, I did, but I can't release it. So you, you prepared a press release, but you were told not to release it. That's correct. Unbelievable. Well, now, the questions thicken. All right. What's going on? Where, where are we headed next? Are, are there more documents out there? We don't know. Are there more places? Is there like the Airbnb where Hunter did crack with prostitutes? Are we going to find out that there's, you know, something tucked away somewhere else? Is there another laptop we need to know about? Story on the Daily Wire, dated yesterday. White House refuses to say if the FBI is searching more Biden locations. They won't disclose how many have been seized. Huh. Now, keep in mind, when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, they spread all the documents out on the floor and took a picture and then published the picture for the world to see. But now the White House refuses to say this past Wednesday, that'd be yesterday, whether federal law enforcement officials were searching other locations. This is, not a, this is on top of the ones we know about. We have the Penn Biden Center office. We have Biden's Delaware home. And then we have his Rehoboth Beach, Delaware home. They've searched those three that we know of. The simple question is, where else are they going to search? To which Ian Sams, the senior advisor to the White House Counsel's Office, was asked by a reporter if the FBI has conducted any searches of other locations or if they're going to be. And the answer is, look, I think we're providing information as this goes on, answering questions about the search as they've been happening. I don't want to speak too much about the DOJ's pre- Basically, what they're doing is they're obfuscating. There's your fancy word for the day, obfuscating. They're basically trying to cloud the truth and make sure that they aren't really giving you enough to work with. Yeah. Despite the fact that the Washington Examiner article that I have right here says the White House believes they've been pretty transparent. So they disallow the archives to talk about it. They won't allow the press releases. They won't tell you whether or not there's an ongoing search in other places. They won't tell you what the documents were that, that, that they've seized or what they related to. And they certainly won't tell you whether they're done or not. But the answer from the White House, when asked, Ian Sams, in another interview, he said, I think we've been pretty transparent. I think that's not true, just to be honest. Boomer, take us to the last break of the day, my brother. We'll do that and come right back. Listen, folks, we got so much going on at Right Side Radio. We get back, we're going to be talking about this brand spanking new podcast we got out. Came out yesterday. Pretty sure they have T-shirts and swag already. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, folks, uh, Just Love Coffee Cafe, they have been with us for quite a while now. And Just Love Coffee Cafe ain't your normal menu, all right? So if you're looking for lunch tomorrow, let me just suggest to you. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. You just might want to you might want to just skip the usual. Don't why, why do that when you can have the good unusual? The the menu at Just Love Coffee Cafe is just like excellent. So yeah, it's Just Love Coffee Cafe. They have great coffees. They have the treat coffees Charlene calls them, the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos, all of them. They have the award-winning dry roast. They can grind the beans fresh, make you a cup of light, medium, or dark roast coffee. But they've got a menu that'll knock your socks off. What a great place for lunch. So we got two in our location, our listening area, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road out in Madison towards City Hall, and the other one on South Parkway in Huntsville. Boomer, are you hungry? How about, oh, yeah. uh, how about, we were talking about chicken wings. How about this? The classic club Ooh. has roast beef, turkey, bacon, pepper jack, cheese, provolone, lettuce, tomato yeah. on a toasted in a waffle iron sourdough bread served with chips, pickle spear, and a side of sun dried jalapeno mayo. Ooh, yum. Dude. How about the jive turkey wrap? Jive turkey wrap. Flour tortilla, turkey, bacon, provolone, spinach, creamy pepper jelly spread served with chips and a pickle spear. <laughs> I'm just saying. They got all kinds of good stuff. They got everything. They got they got they got meat, and then they got the thing like the quinoa veggie wrap. I mean, they got they got all of it: salads, soups. So anyway, check them out. Just Love Coffee Cafe. Two locations in our listening area: one on South Parkway in Huntsville, and the other on uh, Hughes Road in Madison. It is so worth it. And by the way, when you're checking out at the counter, tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. I would appreciate it. Um, man, Boomer, the the text line. Grandma Wanda texted in. Yes, Grandma she did. Wanda from Coleman. She says, did I just hear you say they released the pictures of the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago to the public? They did. It was the cover sheets, uh, Grandma. They didn't, they didn't text out the actual contents of the, the documents themselves. They texted documents with all of their classified covers on them. Uh, so you could see, you know, how many there were or whatever. But anyway, it was, it was stupid. Um, what else we got here? Uh, uh, Missy from Falkville said, I thought Lunchbox Joe claimed he was middle class. I don't know how anyone's middle class that owns multiple homes, much less a beach house. <laughs> <laughs> Lunchbox Joe? How's he Lunchbox Joe? I don't get that. Um, jo- Joe from, uh, or it's not Joe. Sorry, John. John from Huntsville was saying, how many homes does Joe Biden have? We don't know. <laughs> I bet they re- those really important classified documents are stashed away in an underground mansion. An underground <laughs> mansion. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said, in one of his underground mansions. Uh, and by the way, Grandma Wanda came back and said, Senator Melinda Melendez, so good to hear from uh, from her and about this brave lady and the others out in California. I agree. Uh, mm. It's it's good to know that the fight is being carried on out there. We haven't lost California. They just they just have temporary con- uh, control of it. So. Um, um, we just had, you know, somebody from Amanda from Decatur, uh, and, and, and she's she given us the name, so I hope that means it's okay to read it out. But she said, please pray for the Tetter family, that's T-E-T-T-E-R, mm. who just lost um, uh, three children in a month and, uh, and and said fentanyl overdoses are in the mix. So oh. I, am, I am sorry to hear that, mm-hmm. and uh, blessings on the, the, the Tetter family. Thanks, Amanda, for letting us know. Um, Jimmy from Moulton. Lighten things up there, I guess. He, he he's texting a little jingle he came up with. He says, "Chicken wing, chicken wing, chicken and macaroni, chilling with the right side homies." <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> we may have to make that into we, a jingle. We have to, we have to set that to music. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! 
This text line is hilarious. Listen, uh, in fact, I got it, for the last couple of minutes here, I got to tell you, if you've not heard the right side multiverse, all, all the right side multiverse, the multiverse has expanded. We have a new planet circling the right side star. <laughs> Uh, it is the, uh, the the new podcast being done uh, by Boomer and McQueen. They call the Right Life. T- tell me, Boom, you, how many, yeah. how many uh, episodes you got out already? Oh, we got four episodes out. And honestly, we're just chatting about life. I mean, just a little bit about what we were doing on Boomer and McQueen today. Just dig a little deeper. And, uh, you know, we all live messy lives, but we all walk through them at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> we just want to, you know, talk about it a little bit. And you know, you're not alone out well, there. And apparently uh, you're not alone because you've already had hundreds downloading it. That's right. That's right. So we have a blast doing it, and uh, and uh, we hope that we can relate to some some other right-side ruffians out hey, there. Hey, stare into the camera and show them your hat. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. So you, you the actually, hat out we've here. we actually got a logo for this new podcast. And, yep, and, right in here. And Boom Shakalaka's wearing their new hat. Um <laughs> All right. It's awesome. So Check it out. Up. Where can they find the podcast? Oh, any podcast format. So they can go anywhere. And it'll be up on our website too, too soon. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Love you guys. All right. Listen, folks, we love y'all too. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be back here tomorrow too. Have an amazing night. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.